everybody. Welcome to The Cinema Nerd Presents Made in the 90s. My name is Kyle Woods. I'm here as always with my buddy Dylan. And this week, we're going to talk about The Rage, Carrie 2. Dylan, what is The Rage, Carrie 2? I think you just said it. It's a sequel to Carrie. <laughs> and if you've seen Carrie, you've mostly seen The Rage, Carrie 2. But Definitely. before we get into that, I'll ask you, sir, have you seen anything lately that deserves talking about that is not the rage carry to? Yes. A uh, couple of things here. Let's see. I did a couple rewatches. I can't remember if I said this on the last one. Rewatch Blast from the Past. <laughs> I love that movie. Love that movie. I'm a Me Brendan Fraser fan. You know what? We should do a Brendan Fraser miniseries, man, because he rules. Down. down. I'm down to do uh mummy blast from the past encino man um what else am i forgetting what's early brandon fraser i um, i'm not sure but sometimes i dream about a world where brendan fraser was in the rocketeer <laughs> he's not but yeah i know but wouldn't it be great if he was he could be the dad now that's true if he <laughs> lost a little weight true. like i know he's a little bigger like i wish he would get his career back i really wish I do too. He unfortunately he looks kind of insane now. You know what I mean? He that hair is getting a little scraggly, sir. But <laughs> I really I'm a, I'm a big fan. I don't want to disparage the man. He's been through a lot, and I value his work so 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 much. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so and then uh, this one you're probably coming up on because you're doing Amy Heckerling's filmography. Oh, uh, right. But, on. Uh, I rewatched Loser, which I fucking love. It definitely has some problems, but what a just understated movie. I think it's super sweet. You know what? Heckerling is, when she excels, I think she excels because of sweetness. She's a genius comic director also. She really is masterful with timing. But mm -hmm. the, the pure comedies don't work, at least from what we've seen so far. We're only up to look who's talking now now wait she made look who's talking now both of the first two. Oh, i thought yeah. she only did the first one she wrote and directed the first one and then at least directed the second one i'm not sure if she wrote the second one okay she i love the first one i like i really like it a lot too and you know you can hear my thoughts about it there but when it succeeds it's because of these heartfelt moments and like the moments in fast times at ridgemount high that really come together are those intimate you know, human moments, and Clueless is full of those also. Definitely. So I'm looking have forward you to ever it. seen Loser? I don't, I think I have. Like, that's Jason Biggs, right? Yeah, and Mina Savari. Right, speaking of. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm pretty sure I have, but I just couldn't tell you a single thing about it. I, I bet when we get to it, I'd be like, oh, right, 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 right. And then this happens, but. Yeah, that's her last, like, big movie, like, until she... Yeah, I think that's her last big movie. And she then she did, did a bunch of TV shows after that, but I don't think she had another movie really after, did she? She has other movies after that, but that's the last, like, that's the last one that makes a splash. Yeah. It's the last one that you've heard of. There's a few more where you'd be like, oh, oh, oh okay. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. Um, and then I uh, watched a French film from the 50s called The Earrings of Madame D. <laughs> right. That sounds French. It is. It's very good. About a, uh, a woman in debt who sells off a pair of earrings that she has no attachment to that her husband gave her. Sells it, gets some money to pay off her debt. She lies to her husband about it and it causes this whole little thing where the police get involved because she's, she lost them and, oh, shit. and just through the chain of events, it, the earrings keep getting closer and closer back to her. And it's so good. All right. Yeah, that sounds super interesting. And then the HBO miniseries, uh, I'll Be Gone in the Dark, about the Golden State Killer. Oh, right on. Okay. Uh, Patton Oswalt's wife, uh, who passed away a few years ago, wrote the book on it. it yeah, Mary I believe, was her name. Uh, Michelle McNamara. Michelle McNamara. Sorry, uh, Mary Salinger yeah. is his current uh, <laughs> paramour. Sorry, Michelle McNamara is the, is the author who wrote <laughs> recently. Um, yeah, and that's, that's it for me. How about you? Right on. Um, I got a couple of things I can talk about. I had, I, I 
neglected to remember the Titans, so I, I fixed that. Let's see. Yeah, I mean, there's, it's like, it, it, it goes down weird in 2020, but it's like so well put together as a piece of cinema that you can't help respond to it. It's just, <laughs> you know, plus Wood Harris, man. Gotta love it. Wood Harris. Yeah, Wood Harris. Who's Wood Harris? He's uh, he's probably like our main, uh, like, I don't know, is he the lead? I'm trying to think of all the football players. So like there's the, like, the main white guy who has to come around. Yeah, he's the yes, uh, from The Wire, right? Yeah, 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 Wood Harris, Avon Barksdale. Yeah, exactly, yeah. fuck yeah. Uh, he's also in Southland Tales for a couple of scenes. Yeah, uh, as uh, him and Amy Poehler. Yeah, exactly. Yep. <laughs> um, I watched, I, I went on kind of a weird string, and they're all a little related now that I'm looking at them. Um, I watched My Big Fat Greek Wedding. It was the first time I'd seen that one. That's a very sweet movie. That's a really sweet movie, and it's a lot of fun, and it's just like, oh, this is a great kind of just escapist, nice, warm glass of milk kind of movie, you know? Really, really had a lot of fun with that. It was kind of exactly what I was looking for at that point. Great. Um, and so then rom I was sort of like wanting rom-coms in my life. And anyway, so we watched uh, Plus One, which is... Netflix uh, pretty recently, this year or last. Actually, I think it's pretty recent. Um, it's really pretty good, except for the male character's arc is like the classic, oh, I just can't commit. And I just don't give a shit at all. But uh, the female lead is really excellent and she's worth watching. I would okay. recommend it. And then here's where it gets really fucking weird is that I ended up this is not so much related to rom-coms, but it will come back around, is I threw on Zookeeper just out of sheer Didn't morbid curiosity. Joe Rogan dance? <laughs> so is you've seen you this to... movie. <laughs> uh, I caught scenes of it while I was working at a movie theater, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> oh, man. I think it's the ugliest motion picture from a major studio that I've ever seen. Really? It, it's shockingly underlit, like all the time. It, it's really, it feels like they believe that the gorilla suit, <laughs> and I love any movie that relies on a gorilla suit, don't get me wrong, but it feels like they thought they were gonna get a lot more play out of the gorilla suit and got to it and were like, oh guys, this looks fucking terrible. We need to take it all way down. And then in the process, it's just like unwatchable. Oh yeah, I I couldn't even tell you. I haven't thought about that movie in forever. <laughs> it's it's bizarre. Yeah, it's bad in almost every way, and just like, but again, really, like, grippingly bad. I could not tear myself away. Fascinating how poorly executed every single thing in this movie was for a movie that cost a lot of money. Mm-hmm really fucking strange and then that led me to i now pronounce you chuck and larry i was gonna rewatch that but i haven't yet i kind of like it yeah i know there's parts that make me laugh i just i haven't seen it in forever i remember nick swartzen making me laugh a lot when he's the parent. <laughs> he's like, i'm dirty i'm dirty <laughs> nick swartzen makes me laugh almost anytime i see him same I particularly love his stuff on Reno 911. Is like Terry the Terry. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Um, but this, uh, I realized watching it. Well, at, at the end credits, Alexander Payne has a script credit, and so on. Chuck and Larry. Is this a joke? No, look it up, dude. Alexander and, Payne. Alexander Payne, and so. The whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, why? This is, it, I mean, it mostly feels like an Adam Sandler movie, but then I will every so often respond really strongly to it. Like, oh my God, go, yes, root for them. And I couldn't figure out why it was. And then you get to, there's like the last scene in the movie where there's two guys holding up the calendar and 
we hang out with them so long, you have to assume that's Chuck and Larry. So you're like, oh, this might be a true story, right? And then that fucking title card pops up and Alexander Payne's name is there. And I was like, oh, I want to be watching the Alexander Payne version of this movie. I really would like to see his pure take on this thing, man. Yeah, I'm like, I'm so curious how he got involved with it. I think he wrote it. I think it's his movie. And then he either didn't well, have time guy, for it or... This like, guy, Lee Gallo, it, it's based off a treatment from him. Okay. Interesting. And then Jim Taylor, Alexander Payne, and Barry Fanaro are the three credited writers. And what has Barry done? Barry's done Men in Black 2, Kingpin, uh, and then Jim Taylor's done... Oh, Jim Taylor's done everything with Alexander Payne. That's right. Right. So, yeah, I bet it was written by them together. And then Barry came in and, like, spruced it up for probably Adam, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because there's a similar story about um, Hotel Transylvania. Actually, remember, was, was I telling you to watch Hotel Transylvania? Yeah, you were. It's not a pure Adam Sandler movie, but it is like, it got Sandlered up. And I think the same thing happened to this movie where they're like, well, we can get it made, but we have to turn it into an Adam Sandler movie. And <laughs> sort of like, shrug, <laughs> you know, I guess we're doing this. Wow, now I definitely have to rewatch I Now Pronounce You Chuck and Larry. It, it never rises far above being an Adam Sandler movie, but because of the way that it's treating the subject matter and like full-throated defending gay men. You're just like, yeah, fuck yeah, yeah. So, all right, yeah, fuck that's, yeah. that's kind of what I got. Sweet, Dylan, you recommended the Rage Carry too. So. I did. I'm very nervous. What you thought? thought about uh, <laughs> I was gonna say, take us away. Um. Okay. Um. So. <laughs> Where do you even start? Uh, this so before you even jump into the whole story about uh, uh, Rachel, there the jocks of this high school are going around with a point system and fucking and ranking girls based on their sex, uh, based on how good they are at sex, and um. I think there's also like a, a rarity factor to their rankings because we find out that Rachel is worth 30 points in the end. Yes, you're right. You're right. Um, so her friend, Rachel's friend, Mina Savari, yeah. uh, gets fucked by one of them and actually like... Yeah, one of them called Brad from Brad. Home Improvement. Yeah, Zachary Ty Bryant, dude. Right. I think his name in this movie is unimportant because he for, will forever be Brad from... I also wrote, he always plays a great asshole. <laughs> he's, he's, a good, he's a good heel. Yeah. Um, so she kind of fell in love with him. He was like, no, 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 no. And she took that very hard and she goes up to the roof of the school where the garden is and every like there's students gardening oh okay that okay i'm sorry to interrupt but i had this question because i did not track the geography of it and i was caught up going where did she just come from walking out of that shed to like now being on the roof i did not understand at all what was happening top garden okay all right i'm back in okay and she just goes over the edge and crashes onto the car. And Rachel sees this. It's brutal. It's brutal and it's chilling because she, there's like no pause. There's no drama to, I mean, she's very like sodden, I guess is the word that came to mind. Mina Savari, her performance is obviously distraught, but the way she just continues to just unbroken pace walk off the edge is really pretty haunting man and the impact on the glass is also very effective the face down oh it's upsetting it is uh okay um 
and Rachel sees this, and this is kind of the, I believe the first time you like really see her channel, ten, uh, <laughs> so Huh? I said, you're excited. I think this is your favorite movie. It's not, but I do love this movie. Uh, uh, that's when, like, you see her telekinetic powers for, like, the first time. As an adult, there's, like, a beginning scene right. with her as a kid and her crazy mom being taken away. Right. Uh, but, um... To Arkham Asylum, it's important yeah. to point out. Carrie's... Yeah. Oh, sorry. Rachel's mother ends up in Arkham. That's where... That's the twist. This is all connected to Batman. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and so... Rachel's powers go off, like causing everything in the school to open and close all the lockers. And yeah, that's a good point to kind of jump off on Rachel. Rachel grew up with a crazy mother who got taken away to a mental institution as a kid. Right. And she never had a dad. She then gets adopted into this family, like, it, right? Yeah, that she was adopted into it. It wasn't like a family member. Um, and they're not the best of adopted <laughs> parents. You could say that. Yeah, and, it turns out they're like uh, insane and abusive. Yeah. You know, one or the other. One or the people. other. Uh, and she's like, just like the original Carrie, beginning to experience all this shit in her body. So that I want to jump in there and just to like talk about this thing structurally, it it is Carrie. It, it's basically, you know, I mean, I guess that's what a sequel is, right? But it yeah. really hits the beats of Carrie. Yeah, they literally bring back Amy Irving from the first movie playing her same character that tormented Carrie and then tried to befriend her before like all the shit went down, but right. she wasn't able to stop it. And like it's tormented her all these years. I do like that the the way that that character is inverted here with um, I don't know I have the actress's name in front of me but f you know uh, faux share from the Clueless TV show speaking of Amy Heckerling um, I don't I never saw the TV show uh, well the uh, blonde woman here is share on the TV show oh and uh, the way that she gets her comeuppance and sort of like because. Sue Snell is such an interesting character in the in the first Carrie, and this character here, you you know you're feeling that arc, but then it just completely undercuts it, right? It does slightly. I agree. She there could have been more for her to do in this movie. Well, no, I think what I'm trying to say is that I I appreciate that she's like in on the plan because maybe I don't know. Do you think Carrie Wait, the first Carrie? No, no, no. Uh, the Rage Carry 2. Okay. Um, yeah, she's in on the plan. And she gets her comeuppance because she's been in on it the whole time and, and never falters about that. So it leads me to the question is, do you think that the first that Carrie, does that let Sue Snell off the hook a little bit? Do we... I mean, she fucking, like you said... Gets her comeuppance. Fair enough. Like, she was traumatized but by what she did in the first movie. But in the first movie, <clears throat> very early on, she starts to change. Yeah. Um, try, tries to be there for Carrie. Uh, but uh, all the other little bitchy high schooler girls are, <laughs> are kind of shunning, shunning her. Sure, and that's high school to a certain extent. So I don't, I don't mean to get too hung up on Carrie. Um, anyways, back to the rage, Carrie too. Rage. Honestly, you, they, you could have just changed a little bit, and it could have just been an original story, like similar to Carrie, and just called it the rage. Like you didn't honestly need to make it Carrie too, but I think that was pulling a lot, um, I, uh, pulling in more audience. I think you need to make it carry too because otherwise it's like intellectual property theft. <laughs> it's like totally it because it's carry. It really is so much carry. It has it to be sequel. Oh. It is sequel. The way that you know 
you know, Michael Myers is following the same arc every time he's in a movie. The thing that makes yeah. this weird as a sequel is that it has to reconcile with the fact that it's not Carrie or not Carrie's mom. So that's where we get this like genetic abnormality explanation that it's Carrie's dad and it is in fact a, a, like genes that are doing this. She's not possessed by the devil. Yes. How do you, where do you land on that? What's your, what's your I, think, I, I look at these like, this isn't Carrie's story, but I think this is Rachel's story of genes being passed down. Well, as an allegory, I, you know, I'm really fond of that as a narrative device. You know, I think generational trauma is something that we really have a hard time unpacking as a culture. And, mm -hmm. you know, literature, I guess it is the home of literature, like that sort of ideology is really well <laughs> unpacked by like, well, the Tennessee Williams of the world. And yeah, I, this one feels directly more, like the first carry, definitely like the fucking house collapses and right. sinks and like, there's definitely more going on there than just hereditary genes being passed down. <laughs> well, no, I, because as we learn in the Rage Carrie 2, her hereditary genes allow her to manipulate time and space. That's a yeah. given. That is a given, obviously. Well, you got to one-up the first one somehow. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, so let's jump into the 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 true story portion of this movie sure uh 1993 a group of jocks called the spur posse because one of their favorite players got drafted to the san antonio spurs were going around they, this was like lakewood california they were going around having sex with a bunch of girls and ranking their point system but it was statutory rape a lot of times and they got tried and went to fucking prison for all of this i think uh didn't do my full research on that, but you know, I hope let's hope I did. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, well, fuck those guys. So this yeah. is a real life incident that you're describing. That's the genesis of this movie. Yep. That's yes. Without that story, it's directly carried. Right on. So I mean, in terms of that, did you, man? Did you ever encounter anything like that? Nope. I mean. I certainly never participated in it, but I, I was aware of these books' existence in my high school. But you know, I'm, I'm went to a pretty big high school, so there's a high volume of just sociopaths because it's a high school, and there's you know two thousand. There, there might have been. I like I had no fucking awareness of that at all. Yeah, I couldn't even speak to the details of it honestly, but I, I do have a vague memory of some kids getting in trouble for something like that in my high school. It was like. Yeah, I get it. I couldn't speak to the details, but I do remember something like that happening. So this isn't, I mean, it's not an isolated incident, unfortunately. And yeah. it was something kind of happening in the culture. So it, it's timely, you know, it's pertinent. Definitely. Um, so one of the, the main jock that we follow is Jason London. Yeah, it is. Used, out cold grind out cold yes i love out cold you know what i actually really like grind too but it's a movie that i always forget exists until i'm watching it <laughs> it's not the best skateboarding movie <laughs> let's just say that but it's a good i like it it's enjoyable nor is out cold the best ski resort no. movie but fair but i i think out cold is a funnier movie than grind just because the writers and directors of Out Cold just had a mission of making Casablanca, but in the snow. So they literally just stole Casablanca and put it in the snow. That's interesting because when I watch Out Cold, I think of it as being just like almost an exact like ski resort movie. The, there's somebody coming in oh. to try and take over the resort, <laughs> but that's Casablanca. It's like they're coming in to try and take over the bar and we have we to watch it now. Rewatch it now, knowing that they wrote it on Casablanca. It hits so many beats of that movie. You're just like, these guys are fucking genius. That's funny. <laughs> you know what? I'll rewatch anything with Zach Galifianakis at least one more time. Yep, definitely. Uh, <clears throat> um, 
so Jason London begins to have a crush on Rachel, right? He starts to... Well, it's got that classic teen movie setup, you know, like we, I mean, unfortunately, because we're watching a horror movie and it's uh, terrible things that we're discussing, it's this lookbook, but yes. it's the thing is like he gets tricked into being with her, has to prove the point to the jocks, and now we're in a teen movie because, whoops, she's actually pretty when she takes off her glasses. Yep, she's all that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <clears throat> and, oh my God, the scene where her fucking dog gets run over. Oh, brutal. Dude, like the violence in this movie is really shocking. And the, yeah, the violence is, is really upsetting. And the, her reaction is really what sells that. Like standing in the street with her fucking dog in her arms, like begging somebody to help is just so, you know. And, the she, and Jason London's coming Jason down the road panic. and she fucking cracks the window and he stops and he's like what the fuck <laughs> rachel <laughs> oh is that you and your dog having an emergency but yep. he's it really well he's a good guy so they go to the vet uh dogs okay dogs okay <laughs> uh yeah uh where do we go from there oh the other jock who i looks like kevin dylan his name is dylan so much like Kevin Dillon that I spent the first 10 minutes trying to figure out how, like, <laughs> what happened in the interceding 15 years between this and Entourage. I was like, he's, did he have that hard of a life? What? <laughs> this dude is not Kevin Dillon. Shocking. No, but his name is Dylan Bruno. Yeah. Well, he and is somehow not a male stripper. Yeah, he's the guy in, um, you remember that movie, Where the Heart Is, with Natalie Portman? Oh, yeah. The Walmart baby. She's yeah, that's right. the jackass that leaves her at the Walmart. Okay. He's also uh, like a jockey FBI agent or something like that on a CBS procedural show that I watched a bunch of at midnight. Huh. Well, good to know he's working. Good for him. Yeah. And he's good uh, here. The performances overall are, are generally pretty good. I, <clears throat> pardon me. Oh, and Eddie oh. K. Thomas. Uh, you mean Shipbreak? Shipbreak. <laughs> yeah. yeah Speaking man. of having a big 99, Eddie K. Thomas and uh, Mina Savari are in this movie for a couple of scenes. Mm -hmm. And both of them would, you know, anyways. Go uh, on to make that biggest movie of the team of the late 90 or what year 99 yeah 99 and this yep. is also 99 they're having to definitely got to do american pie oh shit mina suvari had a hell of a 99 yeah american beauty. also american beauty yep that's a big wow. year and then the year after she makes loser with amy heckerling and jason biggs she had a moment man and she did but I guess so did Jason Biggs. Um, yeah, he did. I, but I like Biggs in a lot of stuff. I don't think he's bad. Like, I, I really like him in the American Pie movie. I, I really like him, too. I was just defending also Sean William Scott in those movies. Oh, and he's so good. He's so good. He's also really excellent in Goon. And, but yes, to he is. your point, Jason Biggs is really excellent in those American Pie movies. I think most of the cast is. Actually, American Pie really, uh, this is a sidetrack from the Rage Carry too, but American Pie kind of defines 1999 for me. In what way? Um, I listened to that album a lot. Like, okay. I remember seeing that in theaters with my cousin uh, and just being mind blown. I was fourth <laughs> grade. And uh, um, the song by Tonic, You Wanted More more than i could give i was just like that song defines the end of the 90s for me it just really does okay and the music video like them at the school and like I, that's so just implemented in my head and that's a real 90s thing is like the movie music video where there's performance clips of the band, but most of the video is like 
the trailer for the movie, I guess? Yeah. That, that is actually why I watched Loser, because my roommate was like, do you know this song, Teenage Dirtbag? And I was like, Teenage Dirtbag, how do I know this? And he starts playing it, and I was like, and I saw Jason Bitt, and I was like, yeah, this is the song for Loser. And then Venus Navari's in the music video, and I was like, oh my god, I'm watching Oh, this. she is, that's right. Yeah. She totally yeah. is. Man, speaking of, I'll, I'll save this back over to the other channel, but Amy Heckerling has, like, the best taste in music. Oh, so totally. That doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, Everclear is in Loser. You remember Everclear? <laughs> uh, I will they're, they're a big band. New house. Yep. <laughs> Father of mine. Yeah. Tell me, where have you been? Oh my God, this brings me back. <laughs> Should we also be talking about like Third Eye Blind and Live? And yeah. <laughs> fucking better than Ezra? <laughs> Ooh, I don't know them. Oh, uh, buddy, welcome to the 90s. Okay. Uh, silver Chair? Were you a fan oh, of Silver Chair? Buddy. Yeah. Fox <laughs> Pump? All right, this has just become old guy corner, so now that we've gone all the way down memory lane. Okay, uh, yeah, we can jump back on track here. Where do we leave off? Uh, let's, uh, let's say uh, this was written by Rafael Moro, I believe is how you pronounce it, and the yeah. only other thing he wrote was Hackers. Yeah, buddy. So <laughs> the real question is, he was also the story editor on the short-lived uh, Lone Gunman TV show. You know, the X-Files spinoff? Yes. He was the story editor uh, for that show. Okay, but okay. That's it, man. He's got a really limited IMDb profile. And he is royalty. It's crazy to me that this man wrote Hackers and he <laughs> didn't just like either have the biggest career ever, which I'm being hyperbolic, but man, the man wrote Hackers, okay? Yeah. Fair. Uh, and then it was directed by Kat Shea. Yeah, I want to talk about this. Okay. So Her coming on late into the production. Okay, is that how that happened? Yes. So the original director was a guy named Robert Mandel, and he quit over creative differences. And so Kat Shea took like quickly took over. Okay. And uh, she had less than a week to prep to, uh, to start filming, and then like two weeks of footage to reshoot. Wow. So yeah, there's I, I I don't know if she used any of that other footage or if she literally reshot everything. That explains um, <laughs> a reason that I love this movie, but also a reason I can't like get all the way behind it. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Pardon me, because there's so <laughs> our our blonde villain at one point she compares Rachel, I believe, sorry, to Cheese Whiz. <clears throat> she compares Rachel to Cheese Whiz, but the way she says Cheese Whiz, does, did this stick out to you at all? No, I don't think so. She's like, I, I, I don't remember it. She, she really lands the emphasis on a weird syllable, you know? So she says like, <clears throat> Get over it. She's cheese whiz. She's cheese whiz. Yeah, I vaguely do. <laughs> and so I, and there's a bunch of that stuff throughout this movie where I'm like, that's the take. Do you guys really didn't want to do one more? Nobody in the room was like, hey, uh, I think I, I just kind of fumbled that a little bit. Or like. This is the character Monica, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, she's in Sugar and Spice with. Um, Mina Savari. Yeah, let's um, stop being assholes and... Uh, Her real uh, name is uh, Rachel, Rachel Blanchard. Thank you very much. Yes, Rachel. She's very funny in Sugar and Spice. She's also in Road Trip. Yeah, she's great. You know, she's a very talented actress. I, and she has like a, a long TV career also. She's one of those people who has done you know, three episodes of every comedy series you've ever heard yeah. of, or, you know, she's, she's Definitely. great. And the whole cast is really, really talented. And there's parts of this movie 
that really do work, like the the suicide sequence early on in the movie. Oh. And even some of the, there's a few other ones that, you know, are not, you know, that really come together. I think the whole finale sequence is pretty strong. Like, the pool scene was very effective for me as a kid with the, the cover going over. Oh, it's, it's good. It's good. But that's, an, and so he's given a really good performance there. I feel like it lingers a little bit maybe, or he's not quite up to the weight of it. It It's really, really good. It's like a 95% thing, but that's another fine example of like, and I don't, I couldn't ask an actor to do another take of that because I mean, that's quite a fucking stunt. And he really sells the thing, man, like the whole Definitely. way. <laughs> well, not even, I'm, after the head hit is oh in the water in the water man oh, yeah. with his eyes open and his mouth open and him like kind of chewing a little bit and going yep. vacant he's really working his ass off i still kind of want one more take <laughs> okay all right so sorry i'm the asshole Maybe there was another one and that was the best one and that's totally possible but you know i want one more take because otherwise <laughs> We have Rachel Blanchard talking about she's whiz. She's whiz. Um, and, and there's just tons of stuff like that throughout this movie. And it makes a lot of sense that, um, sorry, uh, Kate Shea, right? Uh, yeah, Kat. I think. Kat Shea, you're right. Um, that Kat Shea comes in late and has to redo a bunch of stuff and they're all rushing where they're just like, yeah, I, I know, I'm sorry. We <laughs> got to deliver this thing tomorrow. Yep. So that that tracks for me, and I I want to say overall. So I'll I'll go. <laughs> I like this movie a lot, and for me, it's like a perfect midnight movie because it's Agreed. it'd be okay. a great drive-in movie. Totally, totally. Oh, love to see it at a drive-in and a solid programmer and a festival lineup because it's it. There's some stuff that's pretty rough. But it's pretty rough in ways that are so fun for me that I want more of it. And then it's pretty good in some ways that I think deserve respect and credit and uh, acknowledgement. The thing that like really, like most of the actors are really good and that's what helps it is that like there's the few lines of dialogue. I think it's just the dialogue and how like- We gotta talk about a couple of these exchanges because like at one point it's after the dog vets run over yeah when they're in the diner uh-huh. they're talking about garbage the musical group garbage yeah. speaking of 90s nostalgia listens yeah. i had to look at the entire credit sequence to make sure butch vig didn't do the music supervision on this film i was like what the fuck are they talking about why and it comes out so stilted and just what are we doing here folks but i'm loving it because i do a podcast called made in the 90s so these so jason london talking about garbage is like okay and and the way he like brings it up he's looking at like the mini jukebox on like a diner table as if they would have garbage he's like oh man this doesn't really have anything they don't have any garbage you like garbage yeah Shirley Manson is Shirley Manson's a shit. There's something like that. <laughs> she has a, our lead has a Shirley Manson vibe though. Rachel has a bit of Definitely. a a thing. She, Maybe that's she, what that she, was this is garbage for sure. Jason London doesn't listen to garbage. Yeah, <laughs> but he just unless he just like this girl likes garbage, so I'm gonna just fucking play on it. <laughs> yeah, he's just trying to make the play. That makes sense. Um, since I'm doing stupid movie stuff, there's a couple of things I just got to get out of my system, uh, which is when they visit the <laughs> the burned down high school from Carrie. From the first one, the gym. And she comments that, yeah, they just left it this way. Like, I thought that was hilarious. It's been 25 years. What is happening? <laughs> yeah. How do you live in? They don't give a fuck, dude. Especially if it was like a... a where does uh, Carrie take place in Stephen King World? Probably, yeah, you said it, in Stephen King World. It's got to be in Maine, right? In, like, Castle Rock Somewhere, or yeah. wherever the fuck it it's is. Not Cas- I don't think Carrie lives in Castle Rock. No, no, because Castle Rock is, like, only for the Dark Universe stuff, right? She probably, Carrie lives 
in the town that's like the little bigger town that the kids from Stand By Me go to see yeah, movies in. That's what I was just about to say. Hold on, I'm actually gonna look it up real quick. Where does Carrie live in Stephen King? Okay, well, you're looking that up. I'm just gonna shout out uh, their, The Escape with Sue Snell and Rachel's mom. Yes. My favorite part of that is Sue Snell sticking a wad of gum in between the latch of the magnetic gate lock. <laughs> it works. <laughs> According to this movie, it does. <laughs> I saw it in a movie. It's going to help me get out of prison someday. Uh, Chamberlain, Maine. Okay. Just a small town. Just somewhere in Maine. Just, Just like somewhere in Maine. Anything else um, that uh, Stephen King did. Yeah. I want to jump back real quick to Cat Shea. Do you know what else she is famous for directing? Poison Ivy. That's the one. Which explains why the... Is Poison Ivy also has a big fire sequence, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, yes. And it was a TV movie, wasn't it? I believe so. I think they're like HBO or Cinemax. It's a, it's, so she's directed a bunch of those kind of like Skinamax movies, you know? Yeah, I think she was in a bunch Jerry Moore burned down a house? Yeah. Because she's obsessed with the, the fa- like she works her way into that family, kind of like six degrees of separation. Dylan, I got to be honest with you. I have not seen it since I was 13, and I was tracking a okay. lot of Poison Ivy very carefully. I'm, pull- I'm just pulling bits and pieces from my head. Fair enough. I, yeah, I vaguely remember a fire. Sarah Gilbert, though. Yeah, that's She's right. Um, yeah, I don't have any more notes. I got one last thing. Oh, I do have one last thing, but it's not like a note on the movie. It's just a thing from my childhood, but you first. Okay, let's, yeah, because I got a movie thing and then I want to talk about, yeah. Anyways, um, <laughs> fucking tool time gets his balls ripped out. <laughs> Man, yeah, it does. With a harpoon through uh, the whole junk. And you're just like, man, that's what you get for gaslighting Mira Sorvino to death, you fucking monster. Uh-huh. These dudes are all really bad guys, and I'm glad that they get their comeuppance, and they get violent comeuppance. And it is really like... Jason Holden <laughs> gets to live, though. And he gets to keep the dog. Yeah, yeah, that's true. What a, and that ending shot is very, like, it, like it... it it's a tonal shift. Like he goes from like kind of studying and then he just looks at himself in the mirror and he's got his arm wrapped because it's burned. And it's just like this wave of menace just happens right before it blacks out. And I'm like, what a, what an interesting final shot. Wait, did we watch different cuts? What was your final ending? So my final ending is in his room. The dog is in his room and then Rachel shows up. Yes. That doesn't happen though. Right, right? She's, right. So Rachel shows up and they make out, and then she like explodes in the ghost. Uh huh. And then, and he, then looks he wakes up, up in the mirror. No, he wakes up from a dream. And he goes and looks in a mirror, doesn't he? Yeah, that feels right. Oh, uh, I got it right here. Okay. I got so, it right. I mean, where? that's our classic, like, I mean, it's Carrie. That's Carrie's hand popping out of the grave. That's our last jump. It's. We think we're getting away with it, but oh no, no, no. Oh no, no, no. The torment carry three, we get to track Jason London. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) We owe MGM some money now. Okay. He's making out with her. This has now become a commentary episode. Right? She's about to CGI. The shadow effect is not not selling, by the way. (gasps) He wakes up, sweaty. There's a picture of her. It's midnight, obviously. Well, the witching hour, of course. Yep. There's the dog. And now he's looking in multiple mirrors of himself. Right. And he just looks fucking disheveled and he's crying and it's it goes like really like light 
it like it goes from kind of bright to getting really muted color and then it blacks out it's a really interesting fucking ending shot I, it feels like a, a a prequel setup no like he could be yeah i don't know i i don't know yeah i, I mean I guess I just didn't spend that much time with it. To me, it just felt like, oh yeah, it's the ending of a horror movie. So are you a, a horror fan? Is that your shit? Are you a big genre guy? I definitely love horror, but I, I love all genres, but I do tend to watch a lot of horror. I like horror. Talk to me about that. What's, what's, what, what's up with that, Dylan? Why are you so weird? I don't know. Probably started from a young age just watching horror movies. Like, my mom just showing me, because my mom liked horror movies, so she would watch them with me, and I usually wouldn't get scared. What's the first one you can remember? Like, with your mom? Like, I I remember seeing, uh, like, Halloween and stuff as, like, a kid. But not, like, I don't remember registering the whole movie. I remember seeing like scenes of me like whoa this is fucking crazy but the first one really registering with me was scream okay that one was the first one to register in my head but he's speaking of scream i've been watching dawson's creek lately yeah i uh sarah and i were going through them not too long ago before she had to head out for the air force i like i like that show the way that i like this movie where it's just like unhinged man it's deranged the way that things unfold but really pretty is fucking he's too uh he's too like fucking creepy yeah creepy incelish yeah he's the goddamn worst man he uh he especially in the first season they cool it down a little bit as more characters come in but in the first season, he's super manipulative, and they yeah. play it in a way that's just like, oh, I'm just a normal guy feeling these feelings, as opposed to like, bro, if you tell girls that, they're going to think you feel that way because you said it out loud to them. Mm-hmm. What is wrong with you? Yeah, uh, fucking Kevin Williamson. <laughs> Man, and so the, the part that really makes me crazy is just like, oh, he's like, goddamn Aaron Sorkin, where there's no actual characters. Everybody is just his voice distributed into different bodies. And so I hate it, but I can't stop watching it. I, I, I understand it. I totally get that feeling. Yeah, so, <laughs> sorry, that's... Uh, yeah, no, I love horror. I love Scream. I love bad horror, too. Right on. Uh, I love gory horror. Not all, because some is fucking like, oh, shit. Okay, so are you a, like a torture porn guy or like a... No, 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 no. Those aren't my... Like, the most gory I like is like Eli Roth style, like hostile. That's not like torture porn to me because there's not like... Uh, I don't know. They're like I like those characters. Like... Okay. Does that make sense? I guess it is yeah, torture porn. Yeah, no, I get that. Thing. If you want to spend some time with these people, but... I don't want to, dude. I guess, I guess the cutting of the Achilles heel, ooh, is uh, so bad. That is, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a little torturous for sure. Okay, I retract that statement. I will say, hostile is torturous. But yeah, that's a fun kind of torture. I was like, no, he's he's across my torture porn line, you know. And like, oh, really? I think he's calm as fuck. <laughs> I like I some fucking crazy shit. I mean, I've I've seen him too, but I don't really go out of my way for them unless it's October and then I really like will subject myself to horror movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, but that, that is not my favorite type of horror. That's like at the bottom of my favorite type of horror. I like my favorite type of horror? thriller, slasher, those are mine. Right on. Slashers are so much fun. Yeah. Where do you come down on Rob Zombie? Uh, love it. I think Lords of Salem is like I didn't like, okay, first, I didn't like the newest, um, the third of the Devil's Rejects trilogy. Uh, hi, what, what was it called? Three. It was 31, wasn't it? No, no, no. 31 is the clown one. Oh. Uh, the new one with, like, you saw Devil's Rejects and House of a Thousand yeah. Corpses. Yeah, I've They're, seen those two. 
So there's a new one where they survived the shootout of the end of the second one. And it's so dumb. It's not good. Sid Haig is briefly in it because he was uh, dying at that time. So he just doesn't have a lot of screen time. And meh, it's just not that good. Uh, but I like 31. It's a little slow. Not really. It wasn't really scary for me. Uh, Lords of Salem. I love the way it looks and it, the the sound of that movie. Yeah, I think that's the best part. Filmmaker, I, I'll yeah. give him that. I'm never far away from the reaction he wants me to be having. Mm-hmm. I enjoy his Halloween remake. It's I, not. It's not like I don't go to it, but I, I enjoyed it. I it I'm, I thought the first one was okay, and the, the second one's out of my head. I thought it was really dumb. It, yeah, because there's like when it goes into the sort of Lynchian surrealist stuff, I'm actually more interested in it. But then it dives into the torture porn stuff, and I don't care at all. And it doesn't actually do really anything with either of those. You know, it doesn't come together. I, you know, it does some stuff with those things, but it doesn't come together for me. Yeah, if I want to watch Halloween, I put on Halloween and Halloween. Halloween. Yeah. Boom. Uh, and H2O. I really like H2O. I do too. Anything with Buster Rhymes. No, that's Resurrection. Oh, shit. I H2O really like is Josh Hartnett's first movie. Oh, really? Yep. He had that and The Faculty the same year. Okay. And I it's like all because movie. Dimension. You know, I do I love those Dimension horror movies, man. I do too, man. There's a lot of good ones in there. Yeah. Dimension and New Line for sort of like 90s teen bait. I'm just like, yeah, I'll watch any of those fucking movies. I will do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it sounds like we're kind of done on the rage. Carrie, too. You we have both any- like it. Enjoyable experience. Enjoyable, would recommend. And it's, like I said, a, a real midnight movie, man. It's a good and bad. There's. It's a perfect sort of up after dark kind of thing, you know? Dig it, dig it, dig it.